4: In it comes, it goes very deep towards the back post, so it's nodded back in by
0: Tirek, and then Lloyd Kelly was in the box, as a shout for, for both teams for a foul and a chance for Dan Juba now Brentford have thrown everybody up, and Arnaud danjuba might have the pace to get away, Juma's two on goal here, Arnaud Danjouma, yes! and that's forward in front, after only five minutes!
4: Hello and welcome to episode 126 of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. My name's Sam Davis and so then, it's decided another season in the Championship. At the start of this season, in the height of the summer, Tom Jordan and I, we were sat in the Rope and Anchor pub in Poole talking about the fantastic away days we have to experience as Cherries fans. Yes, of course we were disappointed with being relegated from the Premier League and a lot of that disappointment revolved around the fact that We cannot or could not necessarily build a legacy from it, but as fans, championship football ahead, we were perversely excited. I mean, our last experience wasn't bad, was it? Trips like Nottingham Forest away, journeys to antiquated but brilliant stadiums such as Kenilworth Road, London away days on the train, mammoth northern trips, and even a booze-fuelled journey across the Severn Bridge in a minibus. And of course... No VAR. Well, good news. Next season, we actually get to do that. I must admit, we've had a season of watching on the box and it hasn't actually felt like football whatsoever. I felt really distant from it. I've not felt as emotionally invested. And as a result, I'm actually feeling a little bit nonplussed after our capitulation at the hands of Brentford on Saturday. And in many ways, it summed up our season. It was a microcosm of the 46 plus one games that preceded it. The excellent start, the self-destruction, the individual errors, the brief moments of joy and the familiar feeling of never quite believing and often resulting in disappointment. So on this podcast, we chat with the side. It's a bit of therapy. It's a focus group, a chance to rant, call it what you will. But I was joined by Tom Jordan Neil Dawson and Jeff Hayward. Tom, how's it going? I'm all right, mate. I'm all right. Getting there. Excellent. Well, that's that's a good first step. We've got Jeff Hayward here as well. Hi, Jeff. Hi, t-
3: hi there, Tom. Hi Sam. Yeah been there don't want to go back there
4: but I'm there excellent and we've got uh, Neil Dawson here as well how you doing Neil I'm very good I'm very good we've been we've we've done this before haven't we we've done disappointment before Tom then immediate reactions tell us how you're feeling mate yeah disappointed obviously
1: um frustrated because we we took a lead there so you know the it's that hope that kills you kind of feeling we then get an early goal etc etc so um And it's just accumulation of things that all went wrong, didn't they, on the day? Um, Talk about refereeing decisions, tactically, players' individual errors. It was everything all culminating into one. And yeah, we'll we'll look back now on them times we rested players to get Brentford. Now it wasn't a great decision, was it? We always said that it will be a decision that we'll find out if it was the right one or not. And um, ultimately it wasn't because we rested players. And I, I feel we would have beaten the other two personally. We'll never know. But um watching the other leg. But it was just a it was apart from the start, it was just an awful day, on it? And it just just we looked like we might hang on that last 10 minutes. Mm. It went away from us. But I think over the course of the season, Brentford have, have deserved to go to the final. We haven't. And like you said at the start, it's kind of summed up our season, really.
4: Yeah, and Jeff, I've said on a previous pod that we might as well be wearing a stripy jumper and have a swag bag if we were to get to Wembley and actually get promoted because we didn't deserve it over the course of the season. And as Tom said, that 90 minutes sort of summed everything up, didn't it?
3: We did not deserve it. However, when you get the opportunity to get there, that's when it feels really frustrating. You know, we we looked for a large part of the season that we might not even make the playoffs to then have a bit of a surge. And we, we teased... Uh, automatic promotion for for about one or two games and then it sort of slipped away again but to get there I I I don't think football is not a sport that you follow for the successes because they're so few and Mm -hmm. far between and when you get them that's because you've really got to treasure them because it's flipping hard to to succeed at this game and um to, to, to be so close and not get there and knowing we've all known all season these players are good enough. It's just the team collectively isn't good enough. And <clears throat> it, yeah, it's been emotional, hasn't it?
4: And Neil, there's a wider conversation to be had because it's, it's not just about that moment yesterday. We can wind back months, even years to see where this is all really kicked off.
2: Yeah, I know that's it annoyed me. Where you know everyone's saying, "Oh,
4: Meppham's cost us uh,
2: going to the Premier League." We think he hasn't. There's, there's, you can catalogue the errors. Um, you know, he's probably about thirtieth in line for reasons why we're not going to the Premier League. Um, <clears throat> you know, we we started the season with a chance to keep our greatest ever manager, uh, who who was the only person who was responsible for getting us there. We we messed that up. Um, we then we then made a poor appointment. We then. Didn't allow that appointment to have a uh, to to stay after he'd done a transfer window. Uh, we then made another, you know, appointment that wasn't the person that would get us to where we wanted to be, and no doubt we will now probably release him and start scrappling around for another poor um, appointment. So it's you know it's it's been a it's been a catalogue of errors all season, and um, Chris Mappham's the, the least of our worries.
4: Yeah. So Tom, where's your head at? Is it just mainly the disappointment? of yesterday and the season that you're trying to sort of mentally handle, or is it the fact that you're worried about the future of the club now?
1: Yeah, it's probably more worried about the about the future in the sense that, you know, we're Bournemouth fans in the day. I can definitely cope with the championship. That's absolutely fine. And like I say, no VAR and all that and fans will be back and good away days. And yeah, we'll enjoy it and it'll be fine. And people are worried that we'll lose a load of these players. That doesn't bother me either. These players have, have let us down to a degree. So it doesn't really bother me if we lose a load of the players. Um, but yeah, it's just more the people at the top running the things out. Can they really keep us going don't know what's gonna happen with maxim you know as neil alluded to there some of the decisions at the top of have let us down and now they've got to do it on a wage bill that's too high we're gonna have to get rid of players you have to reset and have we got the right people at the club for the rebuild that's that's my concern um but yeah and, and disappointment because we still had the the quality going into the season didn't we and and like we've alluded to there the Tyndall didn't work, and then you've given a, a job to someone who I thought steady the shit. Well, I'm sure we'll come on to and Woodgate and always come across well. But when it mattered, I thought it's tactically, I thought he, he showed that he wasn't up to it yesterday. Um, and yeah, it was a, it's a it's it's a concern. But also, I'm quite looking forward to to seeing some some different players and see what what happens. I'm quite intrigued, but um, yeah, also concerned as well because you know financially we're not a big football club, and not going up at the first attempt is gonna it's gonna hurt us and. But we're just going to see. It's going to be really interesting. It's going to be a lot of stuff happening in the summer.
0: Mm.
4: So the team was named yesterday, Jeff, and no Steve Cook. That wasn't a surprise, was it?
3: It wasn't, but that injury in the first leg turned out to be critical. Um, Cooky's uh, yeah. been a legend for the club in his 10 years with us and we needed his experience, we needed his... Um, safe pair of hands at the back and leadership on the pitch. Um, He was a big miss and Pearson was in the team, which was a good thing. Although I think he sort of, as the game wore on, you could tell he wasn't fully fit and I don't think he trained all week by the looks of it. So yeah, not an unexpected side. And uh, we had a chance. We had a big chance.
4: Yeah, we did. So with <laughs> Steve Cook, without the captain C- we, need, we need to give Jeff therapy. I think,
3: oh, <laughs> I think not therapy. Do. It's just it's so annoying. It's so annoying. You know, you, 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 even if you don't deserve it mm. to to get there. And the thing that the thing that I point I wanted to make is that you know there's all this hullabaloo about Brentford beating us three one, and over the season they deserved it and everything. But yesterday. Any of their goals, you know, were any of their goals good and were they, you know, and you look at that and you think, how's that team going to survive in the Premier League playing that sort of football? You know, we weren't beaten by quality yesterday. We were beaten partly by ourselves, partly by officials, partly by misfortune. But honestly, you know, when you look at it, I don't mind losing to a team that scores three worldies against us or three good goals against us. But. Yesterday it was just like oh whatever.
4: But then Jeff, if if they're not prepared for the Premier League, were we?
3: We certainly wouldn't. No, I'm not. I you know, know, I don't want to be uh, uncharitable to Brentford. I think with that squad, we'd probably be coming straight back down as well. So I just, I just think the quality of the football yesterday. it was chaos, wasn't it, from start to finish, pretty much.
4: So Neil, no Steve Cook. So why not hand it to? A person who's cool, calm, and collected, but we'll come on to that a bit later on. But Asmir Begovic was captain for the day. Thoughts on that?
2: Uh, yeah, well, I, I think I tweeted about it. He, he reminded me of that guy that anyone that's ever drank in their formative years in a rough pub will remember. Will remember a guy who just was one on a Friday night would hit a point where they would do anything to have a fight, and they'd be bumping <laughs> at the table. <laughs> bumping into tables swearing at the dj staring at someone's wife you know <laughs> spilling drinks just like bump you know he was i don't know what on earth happened to him yesterday but he was completely and utterly on one and what a role reversal from the calm studious uh intelligent guy he normally is it was um I'm sure we'll look back in years to come and have a right chuckle about Asmir Begovic, nine points of stellar performance at Brentford.
4: Yeah, and it it did feel like that at times. But you can sort of see why he went for Asmir Begovic because he's an experienced head. He's got, he's got all the players in front of him. So he can maybe take a little bit more of a tactical look at the game from where he is rather than choose someone who's in the thick of the action. But then how's he going to get the message up the field? Surely it should be someone on the pitch. But anyway, we started as we started, Tom. And it was a good start. It was. It was a good start. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, thanks to them, really. They w- they were playing like it was the eighty fifth minute. It was really yeah. bizarre. Um, you know, the amount, obviously, the goal. I mean, the amount of people they're they're bringing everyone up. It was it was crazy, and it was just really chaotic. And obviously, looking back now, it it, it didn't work for us. But at the start of the game, I thought oh, this will suit us because on the counter attack, we're going to kill them, mm-hmm. which obviously we did early on. And on, the man you want in that position. Um, but yeah, and obviously things accumulated in the game, which made, you know, that counter-attack in threat not there for us, going down mm. to, to 10 men. But um, Arnie on the break is always going to cause some problems. I just felt too much that our, our game plan was kick it to Arnie a lot of the
4: time. And it worked, it worked at the start, but that was about it. So, you know, yeah. with that early goal for Bournemouth, it felt like, Tom, that a lot of things were... You know, conspiring in our favour because didn't they have someone pull up in the warm-up and then they had to play someone else and the, there were a few things that were going against them early doors and with that goal as well it just seemed to compound the issue and I've never I've never seen a goal like that apart from as I said on the free-for-all Fernando Torres for Chelsea at Barcelona and that was in the last minute like you say and it was that kind of goal I couldn't believe he had that much space and I was expecting someone to come into picture from the left hand yeah. side, but it just kept yeah. panning left. It's like, there's no one there.
0: I mean, <laughs> oh, what a finish it
4: was. But what went on before the game? Because someone pulled up injured, Tom, didn't they? Uh, yeah. Oh, what was his name? Is it Norg- Norgard? Norgard, yeah. Yeah,
1: That's yeah. yeah, yeah pulled up. So they had to reshuffle a little bit, Um, which which once again, I think it was, yeah, they had to reshuffle on that side with, with Arnie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think they kind of set up how they ended against us in the first leg a little bit. But yeah, in terms of the goal, it was it was like if you'd shown that goal to anyone and said, you know, guess the minute, no one would have gone earlier than the 85th, because it just looked like a team that would just had to throw everything at it and take a gamble. Really odd that early in the game, even in the opening hour, it would have been odd. Um, but yeah, luckily we took advantage, it was it fell to the right man. Um and as soon as he ran through, there was and I saw it was Janssen chasing him, who were never gonna keep up with him. I was always confident and um, got to give Arnie that. He obviously got the player of the season. um, And I think that's why most people would have fancied him a score. And he took it. I never thought he was going to miss. And fantastic for him. Unfortunately, after that, he didn't really have a chance in the game because of the the way the game transpired. But um, yeah, great start for us. And from then on, I just thought, here we go. Let's book book tickets to Wembley.
3: You talk about the season in in microcosm though, Sam. And the thing that happened, it was about a few minutes later when Brooks... Skinned the uh, the the uh, fullback on the other side, yeah. And then you know you got three on one, three on one, and he's got Arnie spare in the middle, and Brooks overruns it. That was our season. That's mm. our season. You know you get those opportunities and you mess it up, mm. and yeah. and if he passes that to Arnie, one on one with the keeper, two nil. That's a different game.
2: Mm. It is. The, 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 the other thing we should mention is that guy getting injured in the before the game, that was key to that goal because he's a midfielder that plays in, uh, as a sweeper. Mm. And Brentford um, always, when they play a team that doesn't leave anyone up at a corner, which I think is really clever of their manager, they, they push everyone up and sit them on the edge of the box because he's the guy who will sprint back if the other team break. Mm. Um, without him being there, the guy that came in either didn't know that instruction or wasn't as quick. And that and that's that that's what that's what caught them out. So that was quite pivotal, that late injury and in getting us that goal. Mm.
4: There was no one else I wanted on the end of that. I mean, if you put well, Dom Solanke in that no. position, he'd have had too much time to think about it and he'd have done something other yeah. than score. Dan Juma, right place, right time. And Tom, possibly the last time we've seen him in an AFC Bournemouth shirt. But you know, on that strike alone, he's probably added an extra couple of million to his value. I mean, you know, towards the end of the season, he's played his way into a decent transfer now, hasn't
1: he? Yeah, definitely. And I just hope we um, we get a decent amount for him because um, you look at, I saw a tweet and some of the players that have gone from the Championship and kind of had that step up, people like Ben Rama, who's recently gone to West Ham, things like that. They didn't have as much of an impact as Arnie's had this season in terms of goals and assists. And they're going for 20 million plus. So um, I really hope we can get a good fee for him. And listen, he's... Didn't start the season brilliantly, but he's coming to his coming to his own, and he and single handedly kind of take us on that run to a degree. Our biggest threat, I've probably felt we over relied on him a little bit too much. But you know, when he's in them positions, he scores, and he's been great for us. And I think throughout his career, it's always been a fitness thing. Um, other clubs, you know, he's always been rated really highly, and then he gets injuries, which he has done for us. You know, especially last season. Who who knows if he was fit all the last season, if we would have gone down? He's that that good a player, isn't he? Um, yeah. But yeah. I wish him all the best because he's been great and he's always put a shift for our Sunday, but there's no way we're keeping hold of him um, along
4: with quite a few others. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that. I'm absolutely certain. But Jeff, as you say, completely right. We got ourselves into some good situations. Brooke seemed to overrun it a couple of times, actually, like a real heavy last touch. And and then Brentford were pushing, but on one of their isolated attacks that they had, a penalty. Was it one? no. Nah but we would have claimed the other way saying it's a penalty and probably Look, not
3: nine, nine times out of 10, nine times out of 10, Sam, a ref is not going to give that as a penalty. He gives it because there's 4,000 people screaming at him. He's got a, a hyperactive manager screaming at him and all his coaching staff. And he's got Ivan Tony screaming at him too. And all the other players, you know, they were, they were, they were playing for penalties from the first minute, but it was penalties during the 90. That's what they wanted to get. And, you know, it's a way of playing football, I suppose, but that just showed, I thought, how desperate they were. They needed something to go in their favour for them to compete with us. Because on a, a, a quality level, yeah, they 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 are not that impressive as mm. a side. Ivan Tony can score from a penalty spot, but honestly, give him a header two yards out with no with the goalie to be, you know, he'll miss it.
1: That's the sort of player he is. Mm sounds bitter but you know that's <laughs> what I thought. It it's a weird one though because obviously his, his stats speak for himself he's an unbelievable striker and you look at the stats but we've played him four times and I just think he's been useless the four times we played him I mean credit to us I guess um but yeah I've never seen anything if you know you watch him in the four games we've played never would have seen them kind of stats that he's got for goals um yeah took the penalty all right but yeah I didn't think much of him at all um but yeah like like Jeff said it, it seemed to take some of that. I felt very comfortable in, until that penalty. And yeah, it's one of them is frustrating, but you think, I can't see him giving that if there's no fans. Um, definitely, definitely felt that. And then suddenly, that's, it It carries on the game because then the fans are up for it, the players are up for it and completely changes the the game. And I felt we'll probably go on to it when we talk about Begovic and things like that. I felt we were almost too fired up. That gets the crowd fired up more. We were a little bit yeah. petulant and things like that. And that just gets the crowd going and the players going even more. We almost... Fell into that a little bit, I felt. Yeah, yeah. But
3: the rule I think That's for right. handball is meant to be that the the, uh, the ball strikes the hand, but it's got to be in an un- unusual
2: position. And
3: yeah. the, it, was, know, it was
2: the linesman's one to give, and he didn't, yeah. he the didn't linesman give didn't give it, and the linesman was the one right in view with it. Mm.
3: And and you know, um, there's a lot of chat about the referee should it have been a Premier League referee? should it been uh, a referee from australia who's refereed a couple of seasons over here obviously you know somebody who's used to working in that that sort of pressure environment it's not a, it, this is not a this is not a test for a a referee to progress them in their career this is this is super important and that referee the crowd got to him he gave it because They were screaming at him and he felt, you know, he's a human being and, uh, you know, that's what happens. People get pressurised into making decisions that are not right. That's what referees do.
4: And it's the same ref that refereed us at Coventry where we beat him 3-1. It's the the Australian guy that's been featured heavily on YouTube where he's mic'd up throughout the game and he's been praised a lot for the way he communicates with players and all that kind of stuff. But... It's ironic, isn't it, Neil, that Thomas Frank was the one who's been in the press a number of times before the playoffs saying we need VAR in such an important match and VAR might have actually overturned that.
2: Yeah, no, I know. This is, this is Thomas Frank, whose self-wind watch is up to April 2028, if he's got one. <laughs> the, um, uh, yeah, be, uh, and ironically as well, a lot of our fans who were saying, well, the one reason I don't want to go back into the Premier League is because of VAR. If we'd had it, ironically, they might have ended up having it for another season. So there's a lot of irony out there um, about VAR. But yeah, it, I mean, there was a linesman's to give. He didn't give it. That's all the referee really should know, um, because that that guy was facing it straight on. The lines, the referee's view um, was behind Kelly uh, as he as he slid. Um, so uh, it was the linesman that had the perfect view. So and that's what the Bournemouth players were trying to say. I think well, talk to him, talk to him, but he uh, he wouldn't talk to him. Um, and, and I thought Asmir Begovic made a good point. Four thousand fans—that was all there was in the ground. Mm. So it's not like he was swayed at Anfield with, um, you know, fifty-eight thousand mad scousers screaming at him for a penalty. It was only four thousand people, mm. of which there were probably only one thousand behind that goal. Yeah. So he really should have been able to cope with that.
4: What was Asmir Begovic doing though, Tom? Uh, when he was <laughs> to did, did talk to me about that. He was possessed.
1: Like, like I say, it was, it was almost like, you know, he got that captaincy, you know how much of a big game it was, you know, a few decisions went against us and he just got too rolled up. I mean, I've never seen him like that at all. Even in the interview after the game, you know, kind of I've never really, never seen Begovic like that as a person at all. I mean, I saw, because obviously a lot of kind of neutrals were watching the game and no one could, you know, that's, this is not his character. If that was Lerma, you'd kind of be a bit... But um, I understand, yeah. Yeah, really strange, really strange. But I think in, in general, listen, we talk about the game and and the, the referee made some silly decisions and I do think he kind of bottled it, as the saying goes. But first leg, I felt they should have <laughs> had a penalty. I, I do. They should have had a penalty on Adam Smith. Um, And Brentford have shown us firsthand this season, you can win games with 10 men. You can win games with 10 men. You can win games when things go against you. And we didn't even have to win it. We had to draw it. So let's not... You know, decisions went against us, and uh, that definitely had a massive part to play. But I still think, you know, it's not come across too bitter. We didn't do, we didn't do mm. well enough after the penalty, after the red card. We we weren't good enough. Mm.
4: And just quickly alluding to what you said with Begovic, it is possible to be too wound up, as we saw with Joe Hart at the Euros against Iceland, where he was so motivated and made bloopers throughout the game. Yeah, I felt like we we were like, I think not just Begovic. I think
1: a few of us were like, we were like that as a group, mm. as I alluded to earlier, kind of that. You want to get fired up for them games. You want to show supporters that you care. We always ask for that. You want to see that. But, you know, with the fans and the way the game went, I just felt we rolled them up more, got the crowd up for it more, and it ended up being to our detriment, really. But, um, yeah, it is what it is. I think if we if we somehow, you know, keep it out, keep that third goal out, win on penalties, we go off. They were fighting for it. Do you know what I mean? It's Goals can change games at the end of the day. And you can look back at it now and say maybe they were a little bit Two out of, I mean, Begovic was definitely two over the top. I don't know what he was going for. I don't know what was going on in his head. I mean, I, th- I thought he was going to go at one point. And mm. the goalkeeper, you never think he's just going to go for just being a bit angry. But I really <laughs> thought he was going to go. Uh, he was all over the place. But um, at least he cared. It's like,
3: what, it's like watching under 11s. That's my ball. No, it's my ball. Oh, no, I'm it's way. my ball. <laughs> <view." laughs>
1: yeah. that, was, that was mad. I, he, I mean, he would have just chased him all the way back to to the halfway. I don't know what he was doing. And then he went down. He? he was all over the place. But... Um, <laughs>
2: I think it was almost with, with trying well, to
1: roll them up, but we were rolling ourselves up.
2: His greatest moment is yet to come. I'm sure we'll speak about it. But um, a goalkeeper getting caught offside is was the highlight of my weekend. <laughs> um, you remember? Uh, uh, older people remember the TV show Blankety Blank. Yeah. But it's almost like you you know your you know your side is an attacking side when blank your goalkeeper gets caught offside because that was just uh, two things happened yesterday that in 40 years of watching Bournemouth, I've not seen that. Dan Juma goal, because I've never seen anyone run that far for us to score Mm. um, uh, on a pitch. And then our goalkeeper getting caught offside, which I thought was just brilliant. Mm.
4: It really was. Now, let's just talk very briefly about what happened next. And we've got to say that there's a fine line between being critical and abuse. And we've seen a fair bit of abuse. And Neil, you summed it up very eloquently on Twitter with regards to Chris Meppham.
2: Yeah, no, it's just awful. Just, just, I, I don't, I hate it. I've all, I don't know if it's my age or whatever. I just can't stand this thing where, where now people have got these vehicles to, to abuse people. So, yeah, he made, he made two really horrendous mistakes in the space of three seconds. So, and I think he would be the first to admit that. So, no one's, no one's trying to defend the, you know, the actual gameplay side of it. Um, he should have controlled the ball better, and then he should have let the guy go once once he'd made the mistake and kept eleven men on the pitch and hoped that Begovic saved it. Uh, so so yeah, he made two really bad mistakes. But but some of the abuse and you know threats that he's getting on on social media that I hope the club really try and work out really hard who it is that said it. And if there is that they are season ticket holders, we've got enough people um, that want a season ticket. Mm. Just make sure they never come back in the ground because he. You can't underestimate how much effect that'll have on his mental health. Yeah, not not so much maybe that he's let the fans down, even, but he's worked with that group of players for a, you know a long time, uh, and particularly this season. Uh, and he will be looking at every single one of them in the dressing room, thinking that he's the reason why they're not getting you know extra salaries and all the stuff that come with Premier League. That's going to absolutely. Finish him inside his head, and mm. I just really, really hope he's all right. And then when you have got some like you know, fat bloke who's probably never played football in his life threatening him on Twitter, you just think, Jesus, I, I really hope that that the you know we've talked about what social media companies mm. should do, but I really hope our club does something as well. And I really hope he's all right. Mm. Yeah.
4: And, and what was the what was the analogy you gave, Neil?
2: Well, the, uh, well, I said uh, I think um, blaming him for us not going up. Um, Is like blaming the twenty fifth person that got COVID for the lockdown, uh, because it, you know there's a million million and one reasons why we didn't go up this year, um, and uh, he's just happens to be maybe maybe one of the latest ones, but you know we don't know. I think Brentford would have come on strong anyway. Hmm. So.
1: And the moment, at the moment itself, I mean, he's playing against his old club as well. Remember, he's just come into the side. He's desperate not to make a mistake, and he's just. I mean, I remember it was only last season, wasn't it, when Steve Cook against Norwich, when he just tipped over the bar. You're thinking, what's he doing? But in the moment, you just want to stop the ball going in the net. And it's when you're a centre-half. That, that cost us. Yeah, that cost us big time. And you, right. you make a mistake as a, as a center off particularly. You know that Dom Zlanky probably made 20-plus mistakes during that game. But, you know, he's well up the pit. It doesn't affect something firsthand. Whereas, you know, Mepham does that and they're through on goal. He obviously would have changed it. But I remember us as well, Sam, a few of us speaking to different ex-players. And I remember, I think it was Tommy Elphick actually saying about Adam Smith, when well, he gave that penalty away against Sheffield Wednesday, it looked like it might cost us promotion. Mm. And he was just in floods of tears after the game. I've let everyone down. It was a similar situation because he had just come into the team, um, come on because Frano had got sent off. So it was a player coming in, trying to prove himself, a bit like Meps, And he was absolutely distraught. Fortunately for him, we managed to um, get the job done and, and get promoted. But we know how much, these these are human beings and they make mistakes. And um, Listen, I, I I'm critical of players when I don't think they're given their all because I think that's the least you should do for the supporters, for your teammates, on the money you're on, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But um, mistakes, accept that as that happens in in any walk of life. And um, Mep's is someone I've never felt as Evan shirk responsibility. He always puts his all in, and he made he made a mistake, and that's that's all it was. And yeah, went down to 10 men and it was awful, but it's still had a lot of the game to go as well. Forget the yeah. whole season. He didn't even cost, you know, the game in itself, as I mentioned earlier, Brentford showed you can do stuff with 10 men. And I felt after that, tactically and as a group, we weren't good enough either. But yeah, I just hope, hope Mep's all right and I hope he's kind of staying clear of social media for a bit. And I hope he's got the right people, kind of talking to him, advising him and things like that. Um, so that it doesn't affect him too much. And uh, he's got the Euros to come as well for well. So I hope he can pick himself up for that, because, um, and I hope he has a good Euros. And he's probably someone that will be a key part for us going on next season as well.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And I said on, on Twitter that these people that do, they're usually faceless accounts. A couple of them weren't faceless, but they'll happily tweet stuff. But then they'll be the first to ask him for a selfie next time they see him at Dean Court. So they are yeah unbelievable and hopefully the new social media policy that the club has got will root these people out and i would be delighted as neil said for someone to take their seat whether they're a points holder or whether they're a season ticket holder whatever uh, needs to be done but it was that embuemo again that um that was running through and he clipped his heels and sadly he walked and so we had to have a reshuffle jeff and i've got to say the person who did make way for him i thought was. He was having a cracking game, apart from his final touch in places, as we said. But I thought he was doing really well on that right flank, David Brooks.
3: Yeah, David Brooks had uh, had uh, them on toast on that side. He was our biggest attacking threat, and looked like he was really up for the game. Mm. And so to take him off, well, in hindsight, it it didn't work. I could I could understand it because Brentford are a big physical side. With Rico coming on at left back, that reduces the amount of height that we've got. You know, we've got two very similar fullbacks, both quite small. And where's the height going to come from to defend set pieces? Because Brentford are very heavy on the set piece. Um, if you've got Phil Billing at six foot five, who's probably one of the worst headers in the side, but nevertheless is a big bloke. So you think, well, we've got to keep him on. Who else is going to go? And Brooks is probably the next in line. Now, that... That is what was obviously going through Woodgate's head yesterday when he made that decision. Sadly, Phil Bill was uh, completely out of the game from that minute on when he got when he got shifted along to that side. He's not that sort of player.
4: Yeah, Brentford did have a couple of chances, and one of them was cleared off the line. Neil, I mean, what a clearance that was from Rico. Yep. Wow.
2: Good old Diego, He's always there when you need him. So uh, yeah, well, he was. Uh, I thought he was absolutely as he can be. He uh, he was absolutely superb when he came on. He didn't really put a foot wrong. He he, he blocked every uh, he blocked every cross uh, and and uh, yeah, he read that really well. Got behind the yeah, Begovic again was having a looking looking for someone to have a scrap with um, in the saloon bar and uh, and luckily Rico was there behind him mopping up. Hmm. And
4: we had a penalty appeal ourselves that was not dissimilar at first, Tom, to what we thought happened the other end that was awarded. Can you talk us through that? And was it a pen? No,
1: it wasn't a pen. I think you just um, get frustrated because of the pen they got. It yeah. was pin at Kwanit. It just kind of hit him on the yeah. arm. Um, yeah, I, I don't think it was a pen. I mean, it wasn't a penalty. But because of, like you say, because they got one, you're screaming for it. Um, and like I said, going back to their penalty, I would have screamed for that as well. But it doesn't mm. mean I think it was one. Um but, yeah, that was kind of was getting in and around there. That was the main thing. But, um, yeah, they, they were huffing and puffing, like you say, and good clearance from Diego. And going back to what you said about uh, what Jeff said, I think it is a difficult one because I would have thought, as soon as Mem got sent off, I thought, it's Brooks or Billin. Brooks or Billin is going to get. You've got to keep Arnie on. Um, and when he took Brooks off, I thought, okay, so that means he's going to keep a free in central midfield and play kind of a 4 2 and move Arnie up alongside Dom mm. and play 4 2 if you like but he didn't. He just put Bill in where Brooks was on the right and moved him out. And I thought, well, if you're going to do that, you might as well keep Brooks on. And that was, yeah, yeah. that was the weird thing. And then the problem with that is as soon as they then, you know, get the second goal, you want Brooks back on, yeah. but it's, it's difficult because in hindsight, it was, it was the wrong decision um, to take Brooks off, but it's a horrible decision and not one we were prepared for really, um, because we had to get another defender on. We didn't really have anyone that could play, you know, go and fill in there Um unless you would have just moved Lerma back to center off something like that. You had to bring Rico on. So it was a difficult one. I think if if you ask Woodgate now if he got the chance again, he probably would change his mind. But you never know how the game's going to pan out. It was just odd that he'd done that change and then shifted Billin because I've never seen Billin play off, off a wide area at all. No.
3: You know what I'd have done? I'd have brought Jack Simpson off the bench, gone to a back five, Stace. maybe brought Rico on as well.
4: Stacey oh. Stace or Simpson?
3: Well, no, we didn't have Simpson, did we? Because we've sold him, but we, <laughs> well, didn't, any others. <laughs> but we didn't have any centre halves. Yeah. So you needed another oh, yeah. centre half to play yeah. five at the back, and we didn't have that. So yeah. agreed. We ended I, up-
4: I said that to Tiggs at the time, who I was watching it with. I said to him, you know, like if we still had him, would you be just making that replacement? He said, yeah, absolutely. And it's just a, uh, it's a shame, and you know that it completely exposes our squad depth. And anyway, half time came and went, and. Neil, as tackles go, I love a crunching tackle, but it's even better when you score from one, isn't it?
2: Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we had, to, we had Tony Pulis on, uh, didn't we, a, a while back, who who scored a really similar goal for us once against yeah. Millwall, where he he flew into a, a challenge as, as the bloke cleared cleared the ball. It wasn't even like that though, because Jefferson Lerma just got the slightest of touches, mm. which propelled it onto his leg. I mean, you, you mean talk about. Luck. I mean, God knows how many black cats we ran over on the on the way up to Brentford in the bus. But the uh, yeah, he just kind of touched it onto his leg, and then it was the most bizarre sort of like looping finish um, that I think caught Begovic out a little bit. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was a complete and utter fluke, um, and it, it took the third replay before I could work out what exactly happened. But then you could see Lermas little touch onto his leg as he came flying in.
4: Yeah, and Jeff, explain your feelings at that point in time because I I sort of knew from that moment the writing was on the wall. I think I I did have some hope early on, but it was eroded after that. Even though that was only just squaring the tie up, I just I just felt bereft.
3: Yeah, I've got to be honest. I called game over after the sending off. So I thought there's no way we can defend against them for for that length of time. I mean, if you if you imagine they get one more, it that I think was inevitable. To then go through extra time as well with the players we we had who weren't fully fit, Pearson being one of them. You know, it's just just not going to work. So uh, it was galling when it happened. I did vaguely think, well, maybe if we can go, you know, sort of into halfway through the second half without conceding, they might get rattled and we might be able to get a break. But uh, it was just it was just sods law. And when when that happens as well, you think, oh, do you know? The player, the players, how they must have felt so deflated after that. Thinking it's just not our day, and don't don't care how many leaders you got on the pitch when something like that happens. You think just not our day.
4: Yeah, and Tom, you were saying that it felt like, from your point of view, the tactic from Woodgate was just try to defend and then lump it to Dan Juma, and there was nothing. I mean, he's not a player that you can lump it up to and it's going to hold it up. There were people clamouring on Twitter for Sam Surridge or or maybe to have someone alongside him up there, but he just looks so isolated up there.
1: Yeah, it was, it's difficult as well because it's it's hard to have too much of a tactic when you go down to 10, ma- 10 men and they're going to have all the play and you are going to have to sit sit back and soak it up. So I kind of understand that we're just going to soak it up and then hope Dan Juma can do something. I kind of get that when you go down to 10 I think we'll come on to it, but I, I just felt like there was many points in the game where I felt like we need to get hold of the ball here. Mm. We need to calm it down. We need a bit of experience in the park. We've got Jack Wilshire sat on the bench. Billion was non-existent yesterday. Mm. Um, and and we, needed, we needed just a bit of control in there. And, and I was surprised. And also, like we were saying then, you can have five subs, remember, um, this season. And it just surprised me that we didn't use them all because just for fresh legs, we've got 10 men. They're knackered. Even mm, if you had yeah. to take off Ben Pearce, I know you didn't want to, but it was all about fresh legs. We, You know, we just it's so much harder playing football when you haven't got the ball. And we didn't yeah. have the ball for virtually the whole game. We've got a less man. You've got an experienced player who we saw in the first leg come on and just calmed everything down mm. in Jack Wilshere. Really surprised me that he didn't get on. Maybe like you alluded to earlier, it shows the lack of squad depth because then I'm thinking about kind of extra subs. And I'm thinking mm. of oh, Raquel May, we, Anthony. We haven't got, maybe if a Stanislas was there, just an mm. extra you know, a bit of quality and experience and things like that. But we'll probably come on to it, we've we've we said before about the fact that we rested players because we didn't want to get injuries when we knew we had playoffs. Steve Cook got injured and it's cost us. It doesn't make it doesn't matter. You can get injuries any, anyway. So it doesn't make a difference, does it? We made all them changes to stop injury. And when he done that, Stanislas and Steve Cook and Ben Pearson have all got injured. So it didn't didn't change anything.
3: It was the curious, thing, yeah. It was curious as well. Sorry, it was curious as well where he moved Solanke to play on that um, left hand side in front of Rico as a more defensive player, and so Dan Jim was being expected to hold the ball up as well, which is not his game. And it it was crying out for Sam, I thought yesterday. And so we get Shane Long, don't we, in the seventy fifth minute or something?
2: You know, that that was a point I was going to make. The bizarre thing for me was that Solanke left wing. He had about twenty minutes on the left wing. He's played there once before under Eddie. I think it was away at uh, it was either way at Newcastle or Man City. I can't remember. He did nothing in that game either, he, he, because he doesn't. He, he isn't clever enough feet to attack, and he hasn't got the intelligence to defend. Um, so football intelligence, I'm talking about, not real intelligence. Oh. So he, he offers nothing on the, on a on a wide position because he ca- he can't do either of the two jobs that you need to do in a wide position. And why, when Billing is left-footed, he didn't move Billing across to the left and bring Stacey on onto the right and take Solanke off? Because I think it was the right thing to try and have pace up front. Um, and to try and go down the channels rather than try and hit... Because Slanky wasn't winning any balls in the air anyway. So Dan Juma was no different. But what Dan Juma offered was a low ball into space on the flank. He can turn and run at people. But why you wouldn't have had Billing on the left and Stacey on the right, um, you know, is beyond me. But uh, anyway, these are the... Yeah, that's the point that I think Tom was making earlier on, that even though we went to 10 men, there were still things within our control we could have done a lot better.
1: I think that was the thought process because I agree, Jeff, like Dan Jim was not going to um, hold the ball up. But I think that was the point. I think Woodgate thought, there's no point of having someone up there who's going to hold the ball up because he's going to hold the ball up and then the whole team, everyone's so far back, he's not going to be able to bring anyone yeah. into play. With t- I think he was just hoping that Arnie just stand up there and catch someone with his pace and um, yeah. it didn't work out. That was the only, only thing I could think he was trying to do. But yeah, it just it just didn't work ultimately. I mean, you ended the game with Billing on the right and Solanke on the left. It doesn't sound so great, but like I say, that's why I'm alluding to the fact that it's all right resting players, but it was the injuries that cost us because we didn't have a Stanislas to come on. You know, obviously we didn't have Steve Cook and things like that. Um, but yeah, it is what it is. It was at the time that he didn't make the right the right calls, but it was a difficult situation. I just felt that you can you don't have to go back too far to see Brentford done it against us. How you play with ten men. Mm.
3: I think Lloyd Kelly looked a little bit rusty as well in that centre half role. I think he's got used to playing left back, and I yeah. thought he he looked a bit iffy. There was that moment where Tony missed that point blank header, which was Lloyd Kelly totally yeah. not knowing where where he was. And I think just generally, his his positional play wasn't great. Carter Vickers, though, what a man! What a mountain he was yesterday. It was like we, it was like he was doing the job of four defenders yesterday.
0: Hmm.
4: Yeah. Absolutely. We had, ice, we had one moment that I couldn't really remember where Dan Juma uh, ran the length of the pitch and he cut inside and pulled it back to Solanke. I think he was trying to sort of turn his marker, but in the end, that just eluded him. But other than that, in the second half, I'm not... I'm really racking my brains trying to think of any chances. One shot
2: from Yeah, One shot from Solanke. Yeah. Right. He, he did a little run and he shot and it was it was going wide, I think, but the keeper still touched it
4: behind. Yeah, just to make sure. that was before the uh, the 2-1 goal, I think. And then Jaffa went 3-1 and it was um, Force who was on the end of it. Cross from the yeah. left and right place, right time for him.
3: Yeah, VAR gives his fingernail offside, though. Call out for VAR on that one. And... Um, Again, it's it's our season in microcosm. How many times have we said this season the players do not close down the crosses or work hard enough to close down the crosses. Billing gave him like acres of space to make that cross, which you know, if you do that, it makes it easier and they score and three one. And I think we had a chance where Shane Long lumped a ball in for Danjuma as well, didn't he? But he overhit it and that was it. And yeah, uh, I mean uh, to be honest, I was quite relieved. I didn't think I'd have the energy to get through extra time and then losing on penalties which it just felt inevitable that that would have happened anyway
4: Mm. absolutely so that was it full-time the AFCB hashtag it was it was it was toxic and uh, probably not helped by some uh, banter from our our friends in uh, WD18 not the fan channel the postcode uh, Well, I'm
3: I'm personally looking forward to playing Luton next season and um, (laughs) Watford probably the season after
4: uh, yeah, I mean,
1: they yeah, they had the last laugh, and that's going to happen. That's that's what football's all about, and you know you yeah. got to take it. Yeah. Um, we gave them a bit of stick, and then uh, yeah, I always felt like yeah, it'd be alright. because we'll go up, we'll go up in the playoffs, not second again. But yeah, listen, they've they've had the last laugh this time. But um, yeah, I mean, it is funny that how, how long have they been promoted now? A long time, and they're still thinking about Jefferson Lerma, which is very nice of them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was yeah, not a nice place to place to be. Um, but yeah, like yeah. Jeff said, it would have been it would have been hard. I, I think uh, to go into extra time in that. I think I was just always hoping that they would almost at two one. It's a shame they want their away goals, wasn't it? Mm. But at two one, I was kind of hoping that they would. They almost wouldn't want extra time, so they would put everything for it to try and get a third. And for some somehow, we'd have some counter and just nick some in. Yeah. Madly, you know, Shane Long or something. Um, but yeah, want want to be. But uh, yeah, I think it was it was inevitable. Say what was it? Just after, just less than ten minutes to go, one the, that they they got yeah. that goal. Um, Like I say, I, I was hoping we could kind of scrape away for it. Would have been very difficult to do another half hour, to be fair. But yeah, it was was hard. Was hard afterwards. Um, like I say, hope that kills you and all that. But disappointed because we had the lead going into that second leg, so it gave me more confidence. But yeah. and I think because of the fixtures, like we say, and ends up being Swansea, I just would have backed us in the final. Definitely would have backed us yeah. against yeah. Swansea. Ugh. Yeah.
2: That's the irritating thing, and Brentford will probably beat Swansea, won't they? Yeah. So, I think Barnsley might have given them a better game.
3: It's it's why you want that second leg at home as well. Yeah. It's such an advantage. And more so with the fans there as well, I think. You know, you know exactly what you've got to do. Yeah. Um yeah.
2: We were still two no up though, with 85 minutes to go. Exactly.
1: Hmm. Yeah, we would have all we'd have all taken that um before the first leg, so before any of the playoffs had happened. If I'd said overall we're two-nil up on aggregate, there's like say eighty-five, eighty odd minutes left and we go down to ten men. Would you take it? Everyone would have taken it. Mm. Two nil up, regardless of ten men, you'd have taken it, two-nil up. You still we didn't have to win the game. We had to draw a game with 10 men. That mm. is doable. You can frustrate, you could be hard to beat. It's doable. Brentford showed it, loads of teams have showed it. We've showed it in the past. Um, you can you can do stuff with 10 men, and I just don't think we were clever enough. The a big thing like we've we mentioned earlier is you still need them, the right characters on the pitch and we and Steve Cook would have been massive, regardless of the the Mepham situation, all that stuff. You've got 10 men. You'd like Steve Cook to be one of them um, kind of organising yeah. things at the back. And if ever, you know, kind of realise how important Steve Cook is, it's when he's not there, I think.
3: I think that team and that bench yesterday was set up for 4-3-3 and attacking. It wasn't set up for a centre-half to get sent off and then switch to a defence. We just didn't have the resources yesterday. And, uh, if Cook plays and Mepham's on the bench and Cook had got sent off, it's different because you bring Meps on and you can change it around a bit more flexibly. But yesterday we, we didn't have enough versatility in the team or on the bench really to do it.
4: Mm. Yeah, so Watford fans, Southampton fans, they've all had what they call the last laugh. But I don't, you know, the last football goes on forever. So I don't, I don't really know how they can have the last laugh. But yeah, they've got a season in the Premier League. But we're going to be in the Championship. But who's going to be our manager, Neil?
2: Well, who knows? Mm. Gary O'Neill probably. Knowing us, we normally uh, we'll go on an extensive search, interview Rafa Benitez, and. Uh, Lionel Messi, and then give it to uh, um, give it to Gary O'Neill is what we normally do. Um, I don't know. I really don't know. I think it depends on uh, whether or not we're going to have another tilt at it. So Max has got a decision to make now, hasn't he? He's got another year of parachute payments, albeit obviously reduced parachute payments, but they're still they will still have far more money than every anyone bar the relegated sides. Um, because obviously Norwich and Watford have gone back up. They took their uh, parachute payments with them. So it's us and the two, three relegated sides that will have parachute payments. So Max has got... This is it now. This is... shit um, will get off the cam moment for Max. Mm. What's he going to do? So if he if he was going to go and uh, plough that parachute money and the Dan Juma money back into the playing squad with five, four or five you know, considerable signings, then I don't think Jonathan Woodgate's your manager I think you've got to you've got as as we should have done twice already um you've got to go and get uh, someone who you really think will look after that cash and mm-hmm. prove it. Uh, if you decided that's it you're going to batten down the hatches, bring the youth through, make some signings for like 100,000 quid from, you know, good decent league 1 players and championship players, then Jonathan Woodgate may well be your man. My my worry with all of this is um we've had no strategy since Eddie Howe left. We didn't even have a strategy for what to do if if we had to replace him. There's absolutely no way that Jonathan Woodgate's been planning for next year. So no. he's been given a six-month job. He's not even going to be here. So there's no had he been given a two-year job, he would have worked on a scenario for who he was going to sign if he was going to go up and a scenario for who he was going to sign if he stayed down. He'd have had scouts working, that I don't none of that I bet you none of that has happened because we we're a club bereft of any direction, and have been since since Eddie Al left. Which is why, you know, the one person everyone should be trying to get to leave the club is not Chris Mappam; it's Neil Blake. But I would imagine there's been nothing planned for next year. But yeah, that's that's my thoughts. Woodgate, if you're battling down the hatches, someone else should be going for it.
0: Jeffrey,
3: yeah, this is a big opportunity to uh, reset where we're at and what we're about. And I've been quite uh, dismissive about the quality of Brentford's football yesterday. However, what I do think is admirable about what that club has is the culture. Mm. You know, everybody buys into it. You could see it yesterday. You know, the manager doing is walking around the pitch, getting the fans all revved up. And the whole kind of ethos of that club is all going in the same direction. This is our opportunity to reset and get that going again, because it's been a funny year difficult i think for many many reasons and if they're gonna um reset it might take longer than a year to get back up got to be in it for the long haul max big decisions neil's right absolutely what's he gonna do i think if uh if woodgate is uh given an opportunity um, I'll be 100% behind him. I think he probably deserves a crack at it because he came in two days in the job and is asked to do an impossible job but has done reasonably well. I think the coaching team around him, Gary O'Neill and Joe Jordan, are not really sure what, what they're adding or what value there is. I think we need, they need a pre-season. We need to see a, a sort of longer game from those guys. And I think... Um, You've got to be fair to them and say give them give them a chance because it, it might be a, a good combination and they might be able to pull it off. I think his rapport with the players is good. I think potentially his rapport with the fans is good, and he's a strong enough personality. He could probably build a bit of an ethos around him. Mm. Um, the The million dollar question is which players are going to be part of that and which players aren't from the current squad. Yep. Um, feel a bit like Tom. I'm I'm not that bothered about who goes from this current squad. Um, I think the the key decisions on who we bring in, I think you've got to build the team around people like Carter Vickers has got to be bought. I think you've got to build the team around Pearson in midfield character. I think you've got to build the team around probably Solanke's got to stay as a quality player up front. Um, And look at that as your spine of the side going forward
4: for the next two or three years. And then build it around that. Woodgate left us in... Well, Jason Tindall left us in sixth position, Tom. Woodgate didn't improve on that. There are different ways of looking at things, but Woodgate's got a better win percentage. How do you feel about Woody? Um, I think he come in, a phrase that everyone's used
1: quite well, is steady the ship. I think he went back to basics a little bit, which is the right thing to do. He kind of thought, I've got quality players here. I'll set them up in a system... Uh, not change too much, not over rotate, which we were critical of Jason for. And uh see what we can do in a short period of time. Like Neil said, not think too far ahead. See, see what we can do with the quality we've got for the for the remaining part of the season. Um, but yeah, if you want to look at it in black and white terms, he came in and we were sixth and we finished sixth. Um I, I felt we were on a bad run, don't get me wrong. Mm. I felt like we'd probably get we would probably just get playoffs mm. when um Jason was was let, and we did just get playoffs. Nothing really changed too much. I think it was a little bit better on the eye. The eye test would prove it was a bit better. Um, we looked a bit more organised. They looked like they were fighting and scrapping a little bit more and things like that. But I never, obviously, we get you get carried away with different things. I mean, when we beat Burnley, I thought we were going to win the FA Cup. You know, we all do that as fans. But I think in, in general, I never really believed we were going to go up, really. You always felt like we don't really look good enough. But Woodgate's done a decent job, I would say, and I like him. I, I, I like him. Um, I think he's a nice guy. I don't think he's um, I don't know if he's enhanced his stock enough to be picky and think, oh, I might get another job. I, I don't think so. Hmm. Because, listen, he, he failed at one manager's job and then he probably thought he'd never get a manager's job again. And hence why he came in as a coach. He just fell into it. But what Will says, because I agree with what what Neil says, and if we go for Woodgate, it's kind of saying we're we're just settling and trying to rebuild a little bit. But if you said to Jonathan Woodgate, right, we're going to offer you the job, actually. You go, oh, great. All you've got to do is you've got to make sure Begovic is off the wage bill. You can't have Carter Vickers. You've got to get rid of Lerma. You've got to get rid of Billy. You've got to get rid of Dan Juma. You've got to get rid of Brooks. He's going to go, hang on a minute. Can I spend any of that money? No. Look at the lower leagues. Look at loans. He's going to think, well, the expectation from the supporters are going to be, we're going to be I've got no chance of, of getting top six by doing that. And suddenly it's not very, it's not an appetising job. That's that's my That's cont-
2: exactly what happened to him at Middlesbrough. Mm. So that that's the bit that would that would really make him worry is that's exactly what happened to him at Middlesbrough. I, I got a mate as a Middlesbrough fan and said, look, he wasn't very good. He said, But you know, we had two shots of trying to get back into the Premier League. Pulis went, and we had to sh- we had to get rid of all the big money signings that Pulis made and Woodgate had to bring the kids through. And he did he couldn't transition it in a very tough league. So he would be in exactly the same boat. So yeah, it, it, it I think he'd take the job because he won't get anything else, but he wouldn't be over happy.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. And and exactly like Neil said. Or Maxine goes, you know what? And it's weird because we probably, from a fan's perspective, are not happy that Watford have yeah. gone up and Norwich have gone up. There's the best thing that could happen. Because there's two teams with them parachute payments that are gone. Um so like you say, apart from the three that have come down, and I, I still look at some of them and you think Sheffield United, they got a bit of a rebuild. You know, we still with the current group, if you just say you have to go in with the current group, we are still were probably one of the best squads. Mm. Of course we have. So we don't know what Maxim's thinking. He, he could think, you know what? I have one more crack, you know, stuff it. Let's mm. well, that's got try and keep hold of them. Let's add a bit more. I'm going to go out there, do an interview process for the first time and um, try and get a man in. That's going to take us up. And we'll be, because we can, if he chucks a bit more money out and keeps the players and gets a proper gaffer in, we mm. go and win the league next year. It's, it's not, but I just don't see it. I, I, I don't see it. I see a bit of, a bit of panic. I see, I'll just give it a Woodgate, um, and just try and get, but, also, I think you know, Begovic had an unbelievable season, for example. He's probably our highest paid, if not one of our highest paid players. We will need him to go.
0: Mm.
1: It, it, his wages, yeah. we would he much like he's our well, probably our player of the season. He was on the echo, etc. I, um, we need him to go yeah. because really, if we're gonna, you know, with, with the finances, you've got to now's the opportunity to trust the Mark Travers and give him a yeah. season in the championship. Yeah. I think he'd do a job, um, but you've got to now. Um, I everyone knows how much I love Jefferson Lerma. He's got to go. Mm. We've got to get rid of these players. Arnie's got to go, yeah. Brooks. He's got to go. Um, they're both on four million quid
2: a year. They've, they've got to go. And, and Lerma, Lerma and Begovic are 60, 70 grand a week players. So the three and with NI National Insurance, you're talking four million a year for eight million quid for those two players. We just can't afford them.
1: We can't afford think- them, but I equally don't see many clubs coming in with a significant... you know what I mean? Really wanting them. It's it's not going to mm. be... You say, you say it's, it's easy to say, isn't it? That, um, oh, Begovic, top goalie. Someone will snap him up. On them wages at his age? I'm not sure, you know. Mm. And you end up getting stuck with these players. I remember with... we all seen it with different documentaries on Sunderland, for example. The, the worst yeah. The worst thing is they drop down and you think, oh, well, then players will go. And they've got these players that they've bought mm. from France or wherever that are on 80 yeah. grand a week. No one's buying them. They've got four-year deals... And they just sat there. They don't care. And the finance is just dripping out of the club. And once again, they failed in the playoffs and they're stuck in League One. Um, so it's very difficult. And my issue issue's always been that, have we got the people at the top that know what to do? I don't think so. And I think that's been proven for this season. I think they, they felt that we had a good enough squad that it didn't really matter, matter who the manager was. Um, they, this, this team would go up anyway and went for a safe option and a cheap option and it didn't work. But um, and Carter Vickers things out. Like I agree with Jeff. Unbelievable player. Would love to keep. I'd be shocked if we kept Carter Vickers. I mean, surely as a Premier League club that do their scouting, even if it's Norwich or Watford, surely they're looking yeah. at it, thinking he's got to be worth a go. I mean, he's getting the Tottenham team now. I mean, yeah. looking at the players they've yeah, got, yeah,
2: even, even as a third or fourth choice yeah. in the Premier League, yeah,
1: surely um we ain't going to keep him. I'll be, I'll be shocked. Um, yeah, I, I think. Maybe, if I'm looking at it realistically, I think Lewis Cook, because of his injuries, he'll probably stay. Ben Pearson, I mean, that's a hell of a partnership. It's um, a great partnership in midfield. Um, Mepham, you know, regardless of themselves, I think Mepham's a top top setter off in the Championship, cuts their errors out. Um, I think we'd probably keep Stacey or Smith, at least one of them. Like I say, Travers and goal, I think we'd probably keep Solanke, you know. I think we'd probably keep mm. Solanke, he's still got Surridge there. Um, you'd have to get some wide players. Stanislas out of contracts, probably not him, because you look at players like Stanislas who might not have loads of suitors, but out of contract with his injury record, yeah. can't afford to give him a new deal. Um no. But yeah, we've we, we'd, we'd we got some good see, youngsters Brooks, coming. Brooks is quite interesting
3: because the form he's had and the injuries he's had.
2: No one are coming from. I
3: can't see. I can't no. see him going. And um, he needs. He needs a good, really good season where he's consistent, putting in really good performances and play as, as a season like Dan Juma's had this season. And yeah. he's got to stay, I think.
2: There's a there's a lot, when you add it up, there's a lot of squad players that are leaving though um, because obviously Jack Wilshere will go. He's on massive money. Mm. Um, McKelmy's already waved goodbye, hasn't he, on 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 his Instagram account. Um, Shane Long, uh, you know, how are we going to cope without Shane? I don't know. J- Jeff will be, I think this is what's behind Jeff's bad mood. Is, uh, is so, right. so right, so right. <laughs> <laughs> the season without Shane Long. And uh, so that when you actually add him up, though, because you might think, oh, well, what the, what have they done? But there's the squad player. So when you take them out of the squad, it, the squad looks very, very small. And I think we will release Stanislas. Mm. I think Eddie will come shopping as well. For, I think Eddie will mm. um, uh, maybe look at Adam Smith, uh, who would be fantastic having in Scotland. So I think he'll come shopping for the ones that are on middle wages. and um, Potentially even Steve Cook as a captain of Celtic without um, without Brown there. He's looking for a skipper. Uh Steve Cook would be excellent in the Scottish Premier League. So, you know, I think there's a there's a we could have a really, really different side next year. Mm. Um, so you know, maybe when you actually analyze it that way, you are better off going for a different manager who would come with a list of players that they wanted in their in their heads.
1: Mm. Yes, um I I I was just gonna say I, I thought exactly the same. I looked at the Celtic. Thing and I thought Steve Cook, Adam Smith, Junior Stanislas, they're three I could see yeah. potentially. And um, Josh
2: King, not yeah. the, not the Josh, not that that bothers us. No, but no. I still think Josh King will end up there.
1: Yeah, the only the only thing that was interesting was when I was on a Celtic um, podcast. Well, I mentioned Josh King straight away. I said Everton ain't going to keep him. That would fit perfectly. They said they their wages that they offer players are like. 30 grand a week is probably their highest pay, they were saying. I thought, oh, hang on a minute, maybe they can't afford mm. many players. That, so that would be interesting. But like I say, we'll see. But yeah, we've got a few players out on loan that maybe might get an opportunity next season. I mean, I know a few of them got relegated at like South End and things like that. They might be in the ra- You know, you might end up the squad players. We're not going to have your Dan Goslins and Jack Simpsons and people like that anymore. You're going to have your maybe your uh, Kyle Taylor, uh, Corey Jordan... Jaden yeah. Anthony, that's come through a little bit more now. You might end up with them players in the squad. Um, that mm. doesn't bother me if they, you know, they if they're gonna, you know, they're always going to give their all and things like that. And there's certain players like Anthony and Surridge and Kilkenny that I, that I see, you know, maybe pushing on anyway. Mm. But as we've alluded to, it it all depends on what the ambition is from the people at the top. That's that's what it depends on. Um, but yeah, I don't think we'll have I don't think we'll have many still knocking about. But it depends on
4: what Yeah.
1: I think even Rico will go back to
2: Spain. I think he'll probably say that, you know, I'm a bit homesick. I've done my bit. I'm not even really playing. Do you really want me? I could go and, you know, I can go and see my time out of racing Santander or somewhere.
4: (laughs) It's clear to me, me, Tom, that we're going to be, when we're going to be back, it's going to be a completely different club. And that could even include the coaches because you were under the impression that Stephen Purchase's extended goodbye was, it was a permanent goodbye. I think so. Yeah, I think he'll go uh, with Eddie
1: Celtic, uh, and I think I potentially, potentially Weatherstone as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think agree probably with anyone else maybe, but they're the two I think definitely. Um, yeah, some other players behind the scenes, uh, staff behind the scenes that I'm sure Eddie might be interested in as well. Um, there's certain people that I think will be okay. So people like your Fletch, for example, I think yeah. he's bought in because he's a club legend. He's not necessarily bought in for how amazing he is at the job. So I can't see him being taken. Um, but yeah I do think Weatherstone and Purchase will probably go uh, but that's okay in the sense that say for example we gave it to Woodgate Woodgate's bought in O'Neill he's bought in Jordan he, he adds Purchase there yeah. um, he may have kind of wanted to go a different way anyway but um, unless we suddenly went and offered Purchase the job I, I honestly don't know what's going to happen here it's yeah. going to be really interesting we could end up with a very similar squad and trying to give it a real good crack again but I'm not convinced I'm not convinced I think we'll see a lot of a lot of change and I'm looking at it now and I'm looking at people like uh, players that have scored one of the top goal scorers in like league two and things like that. I'm thinking we might try and go for them. Kind of what we've done in the past. It's weird because I'm looking at players now and I'm thinking, Jaden Stockley's done all right at Charlton. You look at someone like him, Sermon's an experienced pro still going around. Someone like him, someone (laughs) like a Daniels, maybe at left back. Dorsley won't get many minutes in the Premier League. Um, (laughs) Brett Pittman might need a club. He's always good for a goal. So yeah, but, I mean, and that's the that's the it's
2: you know, there's that Clark Harris, isn't there, who scored a load for Peterborough. And that's you know, when Jeff was talking about Brentford um, you know, not necessarily being the greatest footballing team, the, the one thing they have what the one thing they are though is absolutely ruthless in the way that they recruit yeah. because you know they had Neil Mope, lost them, signed Ollie Watkins, uh, then they lost Ollie Watkins, then they signed Ivan Toney. All all three of those players scored 20 goals in the in the in the championship in consecutive seasons for Brentford. That they would have, they would have had someone in mind, maybe even Clark Harris, had they not gone up and lost Ivan Tony. And this is the bit that we've never had. We've never had a active recruitment team, you know, that, that I think that that looks that looks like that. And I, I don't, you know, let's hope that we have got a list of players that we want to. To sign on ten thousand wages to replace the ones on fifty and sixty that are leaving. So I all think the, the
3: other thing—the other thing about Brentford is the way they recruit from overseas. The number of players yesterday were really top Scandinavian players. You know that I, th- I thought they—they just—they just had uh, professionalism about the way they went about the game yesterday, and they all cared about winning for Brentford. You could you could yeah. see that, and I think our recruitment from overseas has been a little bit patchy. Um, that is also something think- that I think we need to improve
4: is this statement from the board territory jeff because when we got relegated from the premier league we had that statement max is committed to getting us back to the premier league would that make you feel any better
3: no it wouldn't i think um i want to see actions i want to see decisive leadership within the club um don't get me wrong a statement is all all well and good and last last season after all the trauma it, absolutely you know we all bought into and thought great we're going to be going back to the Premier League hasn't happened right where are you now what are you going to do let's see where the recruitment actually steps up and who we get to replace some of the players who will who will inevitably go
4: mm. yeah it's going to be interesting it's going to be exciting Tom I mean there's there's going to be lots of videos coming out, I'm sure, when we've got all sorts of new signings and players leaving. And you know what, the content from this season won't have quite finished because there's still a lot to dissect in terms of like player ratings and all sorts more. So, you know, there's still going to be a lot to talk about over the summer, isn't there?
1: Yeah, and we'll have to do a, a special Brentford have bottled, bottled it again when they lose to Swansea, which will be good fun. <laughs> um <laughs> yeah, yeah but but Brentford is is frustrating because Brentford are a team like we've just alluded to there that we've got to look at um you know Neil rattled them off there the strikers I think even before that it was Andre Gray hmm. I think Andre Gray yeah, yeah. you're right you're right you're and, right, yeah, yeah. Gra- and you got to remember that when they lost Mepham he was their centre-half they were putting their hopes on when we got hmm. Mepham um and you know and they've brought in an experienced player in like Janssen from from Leeds and they're they're very very clever they lost Ben Rama um obviously, as well. Like they lost Ben Rama and Watkins mm. at the end of the season. They're two best players and they're in a playoff final. So, um, yeah. yeah, they deserve credit for that. And we've got to look at that kind of module. I just keep going back to do I really think, you know, the people that were going to have that amazing interview process for all the managers with the best CVs in the world, are they the right people to know what direction to take us? I'm not sure. But, yeah, like you say, it's going to be it's gonna be interesting and all we can do now is look at it with more, you know, intriguing rather than being really down about it. We're going to lose some players that, that I really like. Particularly if we lose, you know, people like Steve Cook, who we've got a real big affinity to. Um, Jefferson Lerma, I've got two mm. Colombian yeah. so Um but there's also players. You know, there's there's players as well that I think you know it's, it's time for them to go. I think I think Diego's done okay. I think he'll go. Like we said, it's it's going to be a big change. But um, if we get players from the lower leagues and they let's remember that the team that got us promoted in the in the first place and started yeah. all this were players from the lower leagues. Yeah, 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 yeah. We yeah. just had the man. We just had the man and Eddie Al
4: to get the yeah. best out of them. We've got to find that man again. Exactly. And with the board, in some people's eyes, potentially riding off the coattails of Eddie Howe, now it's time for them to show their footballing now, isn't it, Neil?
2: Yeah, no, 100%. So the the, the um, if they were in any other company, they'd have lost their jobs. Uh, and I still hope that they will lose their jobs in the next couple of weeks. But I'm not I'm not holding my breath. Turkeys don't vote for Christmas. Um, so... We we shall have to wait and see, but there's absolutely no way they'd survive in any company that we work for with with that level of um, complete and utter ineptitude. Um, they had the world at their feet, in, um, uh, you know, twice and managed to you know snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. So uh, we shall see what happens, but I would imagine not a lot, and they will be ushering someone in the door, and you know, potentially as well. There's a lot of really good young managers, mm. um, like Bonner at Cambridge, has done a incredible job uh at Cambridge United uh Duff I think it is at Cheltenham you know if we're looking for if if Eddie you know looking for Eddie Howe is the answer and we can't have Eddie Howe then maybe we want to see who's the next Eddie Howe that's out there because there will be another there will be another uh one maybe not quite of his ilk but there will be someone out there who, who could take make the step up so the only the only thing you can say is you, you what you want to be is living in interesting times with a football club yep. and um this is going to be a really interesting summer with lots for us to talk about.
4: Mm. And still another season of no VAR, so we'll take that. Well, at least hopefully not. Anyway, Jeff, um, closing comments?
2: Well, I
3: think there are lots of things to look forward to in the championship. One, we're going to win more than five games, which if you look at the three relegated sides, you know, what a, what a cruddy year that's been for them. Yep. In the Premier League, where you win five games and you know you draw or lose everything else, we should win more than we should be capable of winning more than five games. wherever the rebuild goes, um, and that's also a good thing. I think the 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 level of um, the level of entertainment should be good. There should be goals. It won't. We won't be sitting back and defending and trying to hit teams, you know, for a one nil and defending for a little, for our lives for 70 minutes, which is what you get in Premier League games. We won't be doing that. Great places to visit. I haven't been to a lot of these places. Seen them on the, on TV, but haven't been to a lot of these places. That would be really good to go to. Really nice to get around the country and see some of these places. And, uh, and yeah, you know, funnily enough, I, I mean, I'm always a bit positive. Too too much for my own good. But I, I actually think we will go up next season. I think we've got a really good chance to get it right this, this close season. Super important. But, you know, they, they will have learned from that yesterday. And if Woodgate is still in charge, which I suspect he probably will be, I think he'll have grown as a coach through his experience and we got a chance of doing quite well, I think.
4: Well, there we go. That's a good way to end. Tom, thanks very much for your company this last hour and a bit.
1: Thank you very much, Sam. Yeah, looking forward to next season. Let's let's kick on. we got, look, not the Forrester in the league. We still got the Hooters. Can't wait for that away day. <laughs> Bring it on.
4: Bring it on, Jeff. Cheers, mate.
3: Looking forward to another cup against West Ham in the friendly.
4: Yeah, why not? Thanks very much, Neil.
2: Yeah, I want Lincoln City to come up. That's my yeah. that's my close. One of my favourite towns to visit for booze and a little wander around and a great cracking little ground as well. So, yeah, lots to look forward to.
4: So there we go. That was an extra long pod for you. And hopefully you feel better for listening to it. Really interested to see AFC Bournemouth's next move. I'm sure all will be revealed. Right then, just want to say thank you so much this season for all your support for the YouTube channel, for the podcast. We've had loads of messages and all sorts of uh, reviews, which we truly appreciate. it. And there's been offers of... Um, sponsorship and people buying us coffees. But if you're thinking of buying us a coffee, hold your horses because the back of the net charity fundraiser for 2021 is around the corner. So if you're thinking of donating to us, don't. Donate to the chosen charity this year. It's Melanoma Focus. And there's a reason for us choosing that charity, which we will reveal on the next pod and also on the YouTube channel. One of the big prizes that there is is, again, the back of the net golf day. Last time it was with Harry Redknapp, this time four footballing stars. Okay, five if you include Tony Funnell. Sorry, Tony. But a chance to play a round of golf with those guys, and, well, it's 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 huge. It's a huge prize, and we've got a sort of charity raffle thing going on. melanoma focus really looking forward to raising as much money as we possibly can through back of the net so appreciate your support but melanoma focus will appreciate it even more so keep an ear on the pod and an eye on youtube and we'll bring this information to you as soon as possible plus we'll also pop those lockdown interviews on the podcast too plus some brand new ones coming out on youtube in the next few weeks as well so stay tuned but for now it's been a tumultuous season. It's ended in disappointment. But once again, this has been Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. In it comes. It goes very deep towards the back post. So it's nodded back in by Pinnock. And then Lloyd Kelly was in the box. as a
0: shout for, for both teams for a foul and a chance for Arnaud Danjuba Now Brentford have thrown everybody up. And Arnaud Danjuba might have the pace to get away. Danjouma's two on goal here. Arnout Danjouma! Yes! And that's Bournemouth in front of their only four.